Let's turn to Psalm 22. And of course, at this point of our exposition upon Psalm 22, we're speaking and uh, upon the what we call the title of this psalm. So we're spending a little bit of time on this. The reason for that, I said a couple reasons. One, because it is there. And then two, they are found in the majority of the psalms that is titled. So it's always good at least to know something about them, whether we can understand everything about the particular title that is attached to a psalm, such as this one itself. Yet nonetheless, we are trying to be informed about the things in which we are reading or which we are hearing. So we are spending a little bit of time and a little bit of labor examining the titles of this particular psalm. And you notice there in Psalm 22, the title of it is, To the Chief Musician Upon Ijaleth Shehar, A Psalm of David. Now, we covered what we could from the phrase to the chief musician, looking at that last Lord's Day. And so this morning, then, we want to open up what I'm calling the second part of this title, and that is the phrase there, upon Ijaleth Shehar. While we never want to bring reproach upon the Word of God, nor do we want to doubt any of its words as we find in the Word of God, that is, within its pages. We can so say there, though, there are some places and there are some things that are written in our Bibles that we just do not understand, that we don't have the knowledge to, at least in this present life that I have or perhaps that you have, that we could fully understand all the things that are being spoken about. And this may be true when we think about the great mysteries of the faith, the idea of the, the, the things of the Word of God, the great doctrines that it teach. None of us here could ever sound the depths of the Scriptures in that way. We would never be able to fully understand and comprehend, for instance, the doctrine of the Trinity or the doctrine of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ and so forth. There are just some things that are just, Impossible for us to fully understand. And there are places and times in Scripture where there are some things that are just hard to be understood. There are sentences, there are phrases, there are words which we may not understand. Of the 1,189 chapters that are found in our Bibles, who can say that they know all of which they mean? Who could say that? I hope we're not that proud this morning. That we, oh, I know everything that the Bible has to say. Of the 31,102 verses that we find in the Bible, who can rightly say that they know and understand every verse? Probably not anyone here this morning. Of the 790,868 90, words that compose our English Bibles, who can say they know the meaning of all of those particular words that are found within the pages of our Bibles? Well, obviously none of us here could, I don't think. And this would certainly go with, I believe, what we're looking at this morning in our title. This, can title, this title contains some words that I think that are very difficult to understand. And, of course, there are those who may think they may know what they mean, but I think, after all, they would have to also recognize 
that they are not infallible and there could be some misunderstanding regarding them. You notice in our text, and we mentioned this before, but the psalm title here, there are some words that are left untranslated in our title. They are what we would call, or they call, transliterated over into English, and even at this point, they're anglicized. They're not completely matched word, uh, letter for letter. <clears throat> there is an English twist to it, as we do with all words such like that. The translators at this point, when they were... Uh, translating the Bible, they were not sure of its meaning, so they left it then untranslated. They were being honest enough to say here, we just really don't know what it's about. And so they put the possible translation, not the possible transliteration, but the tr possible translation in the center reference. That is, if you have an authorized Bible, uh, authorized edition of the King James Bible, <clears throat> And it has reference notes. You'll notice there in the center reference, it says there regarding this title, Ajalath, and then there's dot, 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 which means they're completing it, Shehar, means or the hind of the morning. And what they're saying there by putting that in the margin is that this is a possible translation. They didn't translate it in the title, you understand. They simply left it as the Hebrew letters put over into English letters. But in the center card of reference, though, is what we would call a, tr uh, a translation, and, and uh, which would be then a possible uh, idea of what this means, the hind of the mornings. And if you look at other Bibles, if you would take the time to do so, you'll also notice there that there are those who have translated it, and they've actually put it in the text but if you go to different types of Bibles, you'll also see English Bibles, for instance. You will also see that there is as well a difference in the translations of this particular phrase that's found here in the title. Now, this is not to conclude here that the translators of the authorized version were a bunch of idiots or they were a bunch of, you know, amateur scholars. They were not. They were very... Uh, scholarly minded. They were probably the greatest minds of that day. And even afterwards, there's no one who could touch the hem of the skirt as far as those fellows' knowledge is concerned. But they have to admit they did not know how to translate that into the English language. Uh, and I mentioned this too before. And the translators to the reader, there was an epistle that was written. And it's found in a lot of Bibles, and a lot of them today don't have it, but a lot of them still do. The, the Bible that I carry, the Cambridge Bible, happens to have what they call the translators to the reader. And they give a couple of paragraphs in this section describing some of the difficulties of this very fact of what we're looking at this morning. That they know the Hebrew behind it, but they're unsure what those Hebrew words mean or, and not only the meaning in a sense of translating it, but even in the interpretation of it. So when you go back to Psalm 22, if you have an authorized version, whatever version may be used, it doesn't matter. But the point is, and the, what I'm talking from, is that Psalm 22 in its title has a transliteration. When you go to the center reference, it has then a possible translation. But as far as both of those are concerned... Neither one of those are what we would call uh, interpretations. We don't know, really, what any of that may mean. There have been some guesses, and we'll look at that here in a moment. 
but neither one of those give us a interpretation upon what those particular words mean. And they make mention here, I'll just read this very shortly. He says, there, are, there be many words in the scriptures which be never found but once, having neither brother nor neighbor, as the Hebrews speak, so that we cannot be hopen or helped by conference of places. In other words, we can't compare scripture with scripture to understand what that particular word, or for that matter, phrase may mean. Again, there may be many rare names of certain birds and beasts and precious stones and etc., concerning which the Hebrews themselves are so divided among themselves for judgment that there may be seen some to have defined this or that rather because they would say something than because they were sure what they said. In other words, they just wanted to put something in print, and so that's what they said, not knowing really that's what it meant. And so that's the case here. The translators were honest enough to realize they didn't know what it meant, so they left the phrase then untranslated. And that's why you see the phrase there, at least in some Bibles, Aijalath uh, Shehar, there in that particular place. Now, perhaps since their day, the, uh, some of the work of the scholars may have come to a, maybe a better light on all this. But again, if you were to check different references Bibles or different Bibles themselves, different versions, you'll see that there's not a consensus on all of that. So different scholars then have attached different translations upon this particular phrase. Now, no less then is the phrase not really understood as far as translating it. And there again, going to the fact that when we get the word perhaps translated correctly, there is still the idea, what does it mean? What does that phrase, let's just say, for instance, the hind of the morning there in the center collar reference is correct. Well, what does that mean when it's attached here to Psalm 22? See, that's a whole different matter as well. Now, let me say here at this point, regarding all this, that this untranslated phrase puts absolutely no doubt upon the integrity of the Scriptures. Just because someone did not know how to translate the word does or the phrase doesn't mean that there is something wrong with the Bible, that there is something, uh, some fault with the scriptures themselves. As I said a few moments ago, there are many verses, there are many phrases and, and words, chapters of the Bible, of which we do not know the meaning to, but at the same time, we don't say, Well, that just makes our Bible untrue just because I can't understand it. Well, the majority of mankind doesn't understand the Bible because it's a spiritual book. Does that mean then that the Bible is untrue? Of course not. It just simply means we don't know what that means. That's all that has to do here. So the idea of the truthness of Scripture is not what's at issue. The Bible is what it is, the very Word of God. It is the Word that's given by inspiration and all those things you've heard me say a hundred times from this pulpit. So just because I don't know what this word means doesn't mean here that I don't believe the Bible at this point. I believe Psalm 22 to the chief musician upon Ajalus Shehar, a Psalm of David, is the word of God. Just because they didn't translate it. And for those guys who are he uh, original only, that ought to make them very happy. Because here's the original in the title 
And they're always for that particular thing. You know, I don't hold to that position. But anyway, that's something they shouldn't be complained about. Now, when we come to this phrase then, Ajala Shehar, there are several possibilities as to its meaning, not translation, but its meaning. In other words, how do we interpret this phrase, Ajala Shehar, or if it really uh, can be translated, uh, the hind of the morning, or some other phrase, what does it mean then? And so this is what we're going to take a little bit of time this morning to look at and show us here there are several possibilities by which it can be understood. One of the possibilities is that this phrase is speaking about a certain tune or a certain melody. In other words, when they take this phrase here, they're saying that this is the tune in which the chief musician attached to this particular psalm. For instance, when we sing Psalm 22, we usually sing it to the tune, I think it's Kingsforth, is that it? Kings? Kingsfold. Kingsfold. So this is basically what the chief musician was doing then, as they understand that interpretation to mean that. He's saying, let's sing this tune to Ajala Shehar. And then the people of that day would have known what Ajala Shehar would have meant. Just like we would have said, we're going to sing Psalm 22 this morning to the tune of Kingsfold. Or Psalm 69 that we're going to sing this in the next service. We're singing it to the tune of Kuros. So you get the idea there. There's the, what we mean. And there's the example of it. So that's one possibility that they say it could be. The second possibility is that this phrase could refer to an, some sort of a musical instrument. Now, it's not known what kind of an instrument it may have been, but nonetheless, they say the possibility is this, that this is some sort of an instrument, whether it be a wind instrument, something you'd blow in like a trumpet or a flute, or a stringed instrument like we think of a guitar or a, a lute or a particular uh, harp or something of that nature, or percussion such as drum or cymbals and that sort of thing, the wind, string, or percussion. They say that's what it's speaking of there. That's the possible meaning of it. So again, David gives then this psalm to the chief musician, and the chief musician then had it played upon an instrument that was called Ajala Shehar. We might say, we're going to put this tune that we know, and we're going to sing it by the piano this morning which we don't have, but let's just say we did. But that's what the kind of idea would be here. That this Ajala Shehar was a musical instrument. Now, if you look at the title carefully, and as it is translated here in our authorized version, it says there, to the chief musician upon that phrase. So, in their understanding, then, it would seem that the translators understood this to mean a musical instrument itself. So that's why they put the phrase there, upon, in there. Some say no. What they surely meant, though, was the fact that even though they used the word upon, it still could you mean that it was some sort of a tune. So either way, there you have it. And then there is another possibility. In fact, there's other possibilities, but this is the last one I'm going to examine this morning. The third possibility is that this phrase is referring basically then to the theme of our psalm. Now, we've already spoken out that this psalm is dealing with something of the crucifixion 
as well as the answer to the Lord Jesus by His Father. So the main part of this psalm, or the main thrust of this psalm, is regarding the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. For instance, I was reading Matthew Henry upon this, and he said something I thought was, which was really good. He says, in singing this psalm, this is Matthew Henry, in singing this psalm, we must keep our thoughts fixed upon Christ and be so affected with his sufferings as to experience the fellowship of them and so affected with his grace as to experience the power and influence upon it. So his idea is that this psalm is regarding the sufferings of Christ. And we enter into that in some sense in the fact that we sing it, or perhaps as we read that, we are to have in our thoughts and our minds that this is a psalm regarding the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so the psalm then, they say, this idea of the hind of the morning is in reference then to Jesus Christ. So this is the possibility then, that this is this meaning is derived from the phrase of what's left untranslated, Ajala Shehar, or as the center reference, the hind of the morning. And they take it more than from the center reference. Because the word there, Ajalith, I think means uh, hind, or it means morning, I don't know which one it is, but one of those words means morning, and the other word means uh, uh, the hind, or like a deer, an animal. Now, the Bibles that went before the authorized version and even Bibles that went after the authorized version, they also translate it, the hind of the morning or something like that. But you'll also find some pre-authorized version Bibles, versions, and some post-authorized version Bibles that also leave the phrase untranslated. That was amazing. I was thought by the time they got out of that phrase of the authorized version that you would see this translated rather than transliterated. But such Bibles as the RV, the, uh, the ASV, and some of those other modern translations, it's amazing. They left it untranslated. But some of the newer translations, as well as some of the old ones as well. Whitcliffe, for instance, done in the 1300s, he translated it basically high in the morning. I think uh, Coverdale left it untranslated. I do believe... Um, one other Bible before that one, or after that one. I can't think what it is now. It's not the bishops. Anyway, but it speaks there, and they do at least try to give a translation of it. So that's amazing. So what do they say it means? Well, again, let me uh, quote here this morning from Matthew Henry. Now, he pretty much sums it up. I had several other quotes, but these are very long, and it just bug, uh, weary you listening to them. And so let me give you this one. This is pretty short, basic short paragraph. And it pretty much sets forth what is what we would call the evangelical uh, interpretation upon those words, the hind of the morning. So here it is. Some think they find Christ in the title of this psalm upon Aja Shalar, the hind of the morning. Christ is as the swift hind upon the mountains of spices, Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon 8.14. As the loving hind and the pleasant road to all believers, Proverbs 5, 5, verse 19. He giveth goodly words like Nephthali, who is compared to a hind let loose, Genesis 49, 21. He is the hind of the morning, marked out by the counsels of God from eternity. 
to be run down by those dogs that compassed him, Psalm 22:16. But others think it denotes only the tune to which the psalm is set. So that's how he is it. Spurgeon said this, and I thought this was interesting as well. He says, some say, our Lord Jesus is often compared to a hind, and his cruel huntings are so pathetic, pathetically described in this most affecting psalm that we cannot but just believe that the title indicates the Lord Jesus under a well-known poetical metaphor. At any rate, Jesus is that hind of the morning concerning whom David here sings. And that's pretty much a short summary of what a lot of commentators had to say regarding this particular issue regarding that. Another possible way in which this could be translated, not transliterated, but translated, is the day dawn. Another one is the hind of the morning, which is found in the authorized version. Uh, Kim Key, a Jewish writer, uh, probably in the 1300s, I believe, he says it was a hind fair as the morning. Luther said the hind early chased. And again, uh, some of them would point them to the Messiah, and some of those authors uh, certainly would not. So the point of that is we don't really know what it means. But since it's found there in the Scripture, I thought it would do well just that we think about it and give us some things about it. There's also another interpretation, which the idea is that it's speaking of God's people and the fact that they are hunted and, and so forth and persecuted. Again, all of that's true. The two things I just said there, but whether that's what it means, who knows. Now, if you would take the time to go through the Psalms, and this is what I'll end with. I know this is a little bit shorter than normal, but uh, there are some other titles, as we know, in the Psalm. And those words, there are some more difficult words found in those titles as well. And since they are found in our Bibles, I thought just very quickly I could give you a possible interpretation not translation, but interpretation upon those particular words as some have rendered it. Neganoth, another one that you see several times in the Psalms, them say that it means stringed instruments. Nilahoth, or Elanoth, however you say that, and a complement by wind instruments, they say. Shigayan means, some say, a line melody. Gitith means a wine press or a vintage song. Adjula Shehar, the one we're looking at today, hind of the morning. And they say, again, the different interpretations. Maskil, M-A-S-C-H-I-L. They say it means a psalm which has the idea of, interp uh, of teaching or instruction. And some even say it's a reflective psalm. Psalm 32, for instance, it talks about it being a, uh, a maskil, a psalm to teach us. Uh, Jaduthan. Uh, they say that was a choir leader in David's day. Shoshaninim means lilies. And another word, Jonath, Elam, Rekokim, possibly a tune. And Melath, Leonoth, a song for sickness. And there are several other titles that we see, words like that we don't really know. And I didn't figure to take the time to look at it. So next week, then, Lord willing, we will take the final aspect and see here that it is a psalm of David. Now, that'll be a lot easier to interpret and to try to give some application upon as we do so. So I'll stop there. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. But that's about as far as I know what these things mean. And uh, 
showing my ignorance and all that. So may the Lord bless that to us this morning. Amen.